Welcome to the Agnet Weekly Podcast. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Today, we are taking a close look at specialty crops in the Farm Bill. Joining me on the phone is Robert Gunther, Chief Public Policy Officer for the International Fresh Produce Association. He's also involved with the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance, which recently put out their priorities for the 2023 Farm Bill. Robert, thank you for the call and thanks for taking some time with us today. Sure. I wanted to talk to you today about the Farm Bill and priorities for specialty crops. And, you know, as we are headed into this Farm Bill year, and especially with having such a new Congress involved, there's going to be a lot of work to to go on during this year. I wanted to start out with what do you see as being some key points that you want to see right out the gate? So, yeah, I mean, I think so just a little bit of background here. Um, So as part of my role, uh, I also uh, am the secretary for the Special Crops Farm Bill Alliance, which is a broad uh, group of of associations who represent specialty crops across the country. So we have spent the last year and a half uh, basically uh, working on a set of recommendations that we have sent to Capitol Hill that um, really try to address uh, a, a number of issues impacting the specialty crop industry here in this country. Um, and really, uh, you know, what uh, the focus has been really in five kind of core areas, um, uh, healthy Americans. So, you know, investments in uh, specialty crops um, will produce a very strong return for all Americans, not just farmers. So where we can increase access to specialty crops and, and nutrition programs, uh, things like that, and promoting consumption is very important. Uh, another area is trade and foreign competition. Uh, again, market access is critical to a successful uh, specialty crop industry. Um, it should be a national priority, quite frankly, uh, to be able to uh, bring uh, increased export opportunities for, for products here grown in the United States. Uh, research and innovation. Again, it's a really big area we spent a lot of time on over the last year and a half. Really, where can we enhance research areas like in automation and mechanization, for instance? Where can we look to have you know get USDA to focus more attention in that space? Um, you know, where can we look at um, you know areas related to climate and environmental challenges? Um, you know, pest and disease issues. Where does that research need to be focused on for specialty crops to be continue to be competitive in a global marketplace? And then finally, natural resources and climate. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 it historically, um, it is uh, our industry has not been able really to tap into some of the conservation programs at a level we think is important uh, at USDA. Uh, for instance, things like the EQIP program and things like that. So where can we, um, you know, kind of enhance these current conservation programs that can uh, help specialty crop producers become more, uh, utilize them in, in, a, in a much more effective and broader way. And I want to go into depth on several of those points, if that's okay. Um, sure. Let's start out with Healthy Americans. I was thinking we could go title by title, but let's start out with Title IV, which is the nutrition programs, and sure. because that is the largest part of the of the Farm Bill. Um, Seventy-five to eighty percent of the funding that's included in the Farm Bill is for nutrition programs and those things. So there's an opportunity, as far as I see, a big opportunity for specialty crops to be involved in a lot of ways in that, because obviously specialty crops are our healthy food choices. What are some of the things in detail or more specifically that you are hoping can be accomplished and uh, any changes from the 2018 Farm Bill? Yeah, so what I would would focus on in this space is, again, 
where, again, you know, at a broad perspective, where you increase access to fresh or specialty crops. Um, you know, it doesn't just happen in the nutrition program. For instance, one of the things that we're looking at is modernizing the USDA procurement program. This is how USDA buys and distributes uh, um, uh, food uh, through their federal nutrition programs like school lunch, school breakfast, TFAP, uh, and other programs, food, um, food banks, things like that. Um, you know, how can we better modernize the programs that USDA utilizes both in terms of the of the process they go through in terms of uh, their uh, their purchasing uh, options, but also moving the product. How can we better improve that type of, of procurement? Uh, a lot of times people will say, well, we can't get fresh tomatoes or fresh lettuce or, you know, fresh uh, melons, you know, to uh, at, at our schools. And you can go down the store at a supermarket or even a restaurant and see all of those types of products. So why is it so different from a retail or private sector than it is for the for the government to be able to serve these types of products in schools and other places that, that are important to help make sure we have a healthy diet uh, across uh, all people who, who are eating uh, here in this country. Um, another area I would say is the support of the Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Program. This program has been around for quite some time. Uh, it's actually as a pilot in 2002 Farm Bill. And this program is very unique because uh, it's not as much as a feeding program as it is an opportunity to educate uh, uh, elementary school children across the country of how, you know, what are the different products that are out there that, that you may never, they, they've never even tried before. They also, they also serve these during the school period so uh, teachers can uh, implement curriculum around th these, these products uh, and, and different things they're, they're teaching at the time. So again, it's a very innovative program now. It's in all 50 states. We want to continue to see that, can see that um, uh, grown, or yeah, see that program continue to grow. In terms of, of like SNAP, I know you you, you touched on that. Uh, again, where we can find programs that help incentivize and help bring more healthy options to those to SNAP recipients um, is, is very important. One of the programs that we uh, have supported over the years and it continues to build is, is what's called the GUSNIP program, which is a um, uh, fruit and vegetable specific pro uh, program that, again, allows SNAP recipients to, to use their SNAP dollars and expand their SNAP dollars at farmers markets, uh, local food entities, uh, places like that. And then let's talk about trade if we can. Another very important and very big issue. I think it was um, second on your list as well. Title three is trade. And there was one mm -hmm. thing in there that I wanted to ask about specifically, but then we can also talk about any other points you want to make on trade. But the technical assistance for specialty crops, mm -hmm. that yes. started out being just for specialty crops, but um, we've noticed that some other crops have slipped in there along the way. Is it important that this goes back to being just for specialty crops, do you think? Or is we think it's it critical. Okay. Yeah. And why is that? Yeah. yeah, we think it's critical that it maintains its uniqueness for specialty crops. Uh, this program, again, was one of the original programs that was passed in the 2002 Farm Bill that has been built up over those, over since that, since that last, since the 2002 Farm Bill to really bring that assistance that's needed to break down potential sanitary, phytosanitary, pest and disease uh, barriers that, that are impacted by increasing by bringing more access or, or for specialty crops in particular. So it's not a big program. It's $9 million or so. 
but we do think that's one of the important recommendations we made is maintain its uniqueness for specialty crops, and we'll continue to push for that in, in this farm bill as well. And those, of course, are key issues when it comes to exporting U.S. crops. Like you said, sanitary, phytosanitary, those types of issues, again, key issues when it comes to our exports as well. So it's important to have those handled correctly and to, to focus on the specific crops. There are a lot of other programs. I don't want to show any bias here towards specialty crops, despite where my listening audience is and where I grew up, which was Central California. Um, right. But it seems like there are a lot of other programs for the other crops, especially crops historically haven't had as many pro- programs as other crops. Does this, keeping this focused on specialty crops, do you think that that was going to, again, help boost up the industry? And I know that you've already answered that. But once again, that'll help keep the industry sure. exports stronger. Well, I would say in general, let me just kind of back away from just the export in general. Certainly the market access program has always been a a tool in the toolbox to help special crops, even though, again, that's another program that has broadened its its eligibility to to the products outside of of, of specialty crops, but it still is a vital tool to bring access to uh, to, to, for for fruit and vegetable specialty crop producers in in the U.S., uh, access to additional markets using the market access program. And over the years, again, it's it's uh, it's proven its worth in terms of federal investment compared to the return on trade value. But let me step back a little bit, you know, and and, and kind of give you some some uh, you know just some things that we have galvanized around in terms of of sharing with with Congress. And you know, for instance, I mean, we represent uh, basically 44% of the foreign gate value of all crops in in the U.S. Uh, and then most recently, uh, my group, the National Fresh Produce Association, did an economic impact study. And then the produce, with the fresh produce and flora industry alone represents 2.2 million jobs in the U.S. in all 50 states and about 120, over $120 billion of labor income in the United States economy. So we think we have an important message to tell Congress that we are at the table. We want to be recognized. We want to continue to be recognized. It's taken a while for us to be where we are today, where our footprint, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, our industries didn't even want to talk about the farm bill. And now, you know, since about 2002, 2004, as we developed this new co- this coalition, um, we've really started to make a strong imprint on programs that, uh, that it, it help our industry become more competitive, both domestically and globally. So that is why, you know, we're not a monolithic type, you know, single crop uh, uh, type of, of commodity. Uh, we are 300 plus different commodities that are grown here in the United States. So not there's not going to be one program or one size fits all to our, our approach. That is why in this farm bill, you know, we cover our recommendations cover over eight titles of the farm bill. Uh, to what you mentioned, you know, from, from the nutrition programs to rural development to trade title, obviously the horticulture title, uh, research, as I mentioned before. Uh, you know, we cover a number of different titles that, that we need to have or because our, our industry is so diverse. We need as many tool, tools in the toolbox that we can that, that can help address the many challenges we, that our industry faces, not just on a commodity level, but a local level, a regional level state level. You know, I always used to say, you know, a citrus grower in California, their tools may be totally different than a citrus grower in Florida or Texas. 
So we have to create a, 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 a like I said, a toolbox, a portfolio of different programs that, that people can tap, that our members can tap into that, that allows them to modify or to tailor the, these, these USDA federal programs um, uh, to help their companies, their farms be more, uh, uh, you know, compete and modernize where they can. And then while we're talking about the differences between specialty crops and the other crops, um, especially in how they're handled in the farm bill and programs, can we talk for a minute about uh, Title I, which is commodity programs? You know, and as you mentioned, and as I mentioned as well, this was not, did not start out intended for specialty crops. This was intended for other crops like soybeans. Currently in these programs, I want to ask about the adjusted gross income for qualification for the programs. Can you speak on that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so... That seems to work pretty well for other crops, like I said, soybeans, corn, but specialty crops are different, and that seems to affect the availability of some of these programs to producers. Can you explain a little bit about that and what you're hoping can happen? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, specialty crop producers face, you know, very unique challenges with the the uh, AGI, adjusted gross income limitations, compared to other commodity uh, crops, uh, uh, that other, compared to other commodity crop producers and, and for most uh, farm bill programs. Um, you know, and then I would also add that, um, you know, the current implementation of the AGI limitations disproportionately prohibits socially crop producers from participating in certain USDA programs in really a meaningful way and, and potentially inhibits social crop producers from participating in even disaster programs or risk management programs. So, you know, what, how we look at this is Again, it's a very good example of AGI being applied across all commodities. And because of the way we are structured, because of the way, and, and, and in particular because of the way of our high-value commodities that, that we produce, you know, we, we can bump up against that AGI very quickly uh, without really fully appreciating any kind of challenges or disasters or, or, or um, uh, things that, that, that we feel uh, really, again, as I said, kind of limits or inhibits special crop producers from participating in, in these federal programs. And, and I, I guess the other thing I would say is, you know, uh, I think really, you know, the way you look at, I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but, you know, the way things are, are, are done for AGNA with means testing, um, and, and, you know, that might be appropriate for participating, you know, it's just, you know, right now we believe the means testing is ill-suited uh, an ill-suited way to test for special crop producers. Um, and, and I think it, again, what we're looking at as part of our recommendations is, is you know, some different ways to, to, to try and look at, at uh, AGI from a special crop lens and, and modify it in a way that, again, helps more producers in our space to say some of these programs they have been ineligible for uh, because of the AGI's means testing. Um, on the topic of conservation, there are a lot of talking points in conservation. It's been a big focus, in fact, a primary focus of this administration with a lot of legislation coming about uh, about conservation. We hear all the time now about climate-smart agriculture. What were some of the changes that you'd like to see, or what are some of the things that you are hoping for in the Farm Bill? Well, I think in terms of the climate, um, uh, I think in terms of that, um, I, I think that we want to make sure that Number one, any climate change, any climate type related programs are not, you know, that they're voluntary uh, because, you know, we just don't have a lot of research and data in our space related to the impact of climate change production practices and how they potentially benefit, um, you know, the, the climate. 
Um, and, and I think that, you know, what, when we look at this is we got to make sure that we're fully, you know, researching these areas um, uh, that, you know, need to be addressed before we just jump into being required to do certain practices that may or may not be beneficial to the overall environment and the climate of, of the world, quite frankly. Do you think that w- given the current conversation that's been going on for the last few years about conservation and and agriculture, that this is, is going to be one of the harder topics, one of the harder titles in the Farm Bill this year? Or do you think that it'll kind of go over like previous years? <laughs> I do think it, it's going to be a very, one of the, if, you know, if you wanted to look at some of the key points to follow in the next several months, if, if you know, what we hear is true that there's going to be you know, uh, uh, you know, trying to get the bill done by the end of September, reauthorize the farm bill by the end of September. Climate is going to be one of those debates we're going to have to watch very closely. Obviously, the SNAP and nutrition programs as well, you know, those two will dominate a lot of the discussion of whether we can get a bipartisan approach to uh, to a farm bill this year or have to have to focus on an extension, unfortunately, if that, if the, if, if that comes to pass. So, to me, those are the two big areas to watch: are how is Congress going to to look at the current programs that are focused in in conservation and, and attached to climate, but also how the conversations go, the negotiations go on on some of the, well, in particular, the SNAP program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and again, historically, that's been one that gets a lot of discussion. And we have seen plenty of extensions in the past. We have. <laughs> <laughs> and I've talked with some lawmakers who say they are, they are expecting one, again, to have go through extensions. They are hopeful not to, I'm, but. Yeah. I'm an, always an optimist. I feel like they can get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, as you may know, I mean, there was a, a, a listening session out in the Central Valley uh, last week uh, mm-hmm. where the House Act Committee spoke, uh, or had members there. Uh, Secretary, or excuse me, Speaker McCarthy was there. So it is one of the last remaining bipartisan pieces of legislation that really is out there that brings together both parties. Um, you know, and, and I have hope it might be that way this year. You know, uh, I'm not holding my breath, but I certainly think here's what I know. I know that, you know, I, what I've witnessed um, since, you know, for the last six months or so and a change, you know, obviously in the House, and, you know, the leadership of both House and Act Committee are very committed to do the best they can to get a bill through this year. And um, they're going to do everything they can to do it. And, um, you know, there may be bigger politics that we're not aware of, you know, that, that might show up. Um, you know, that happens too. A reason why we've had multiple uh, extensions over the over the life of, life of farm bills, um, you know, there have been... Uh, Things that nobody expected to, to, to pop up have, have done that. And, you know, so right now, I think if you're looking straight at the at the actual farm bill, I still, you know, like, you, like I said, the nutrition area, the climate, conservation area are going to be the two that's going to have the most thought and, and focus on to see how much, how bipartisan this bill might be. Yeah. Um, let's talk about research a little bit. We haven't hit on that yet. It is an, another very important topic. There is some funding in the Farm Bill for research. Are you wanting that to stay the same? Or are you hoping for an increase? Where would you like to go with that? So, yeah, I mean, one of, again, one of the 
what I call is the legacy programs now. It used to be the cornerstones, but I call I call them legacy now. It's the Special Card Research Initiative. And again, this is a program that was established uh, in the 2008 Farm Bill. And um, you know, right now it is funded at um, right around $80 million. Um, and uh, we're asking for an increase uh, of an additional $50 million uh, per year uh, in mandatory spending. Um, Again, when you look at the projects, I mean that when you look at the, the proposals submitted under this program and the projects that actually get funded, it's less than 10% of those projects. So there is a huge need out there for more research, additional research, uh, in a lot of different areas. I mean, climate's a great example we just talked about. Um, you know, we just haven't got a good sense yet of the, uh, you know, what. How are commodities and rotation of commodities and what can be done can impact positively the climate. And we need more research in that space. Um, I think in mechanization and automation, for instance, I mentioned, um, you know, our labor issues are not improving. Uh, we've, we've, you know, been, again, next to the Farm Bill, one of the biggest areas of policy focus we our industry has is on labor and getting a new labor, you know, reform bill through Congress. But that hasn't happened uh, in 30 plus years. Um, so it is forcing a lot of our members to also to to uh, look at other ways to help them become more efficient. Some of that includes uh, not growing in the United States, quite frankly. Um, but you know, one of the areas we think the farm bill should be addressing is again in mechanization automation. We should be doing everything we can to develop uh, develop efficiencies in our industry in our in our in our uh, that helps bring down costs. So they can then, you know, uh, farmers can have a much more profitable, um, you know, business uh, as they move forward. Are there any other points in the in the farm bill discussion that you would like to make, or anything else that you think our listeners should know about? Those were all of the topics that I had uh, written down, but I am open to anything else. You know, I, I think that I think those are probably the main areas. Um, you know, I, I I do think what I would say is, you know. We have seen a lot of change since the last farm bill. And again, when you look at our recommendations, we have, I think, around 109 recommendations, as I mentioned, in, in, in eight titles. And, and I, I will say this is the, probably the most, you know, I've been working with the Farm Alliance and, and my role as, at International Fresh Produce and the previous organizations for over 20 years. And this is probably the most comprehensive uh, effort to date that we have presented recommendations to Capitol Hill, but it also reflects some of the challenges we've seen, you know, since, like I said, since the 18th Farm Bill, uh, going through COVID, there are a lot of new things that we never, you know, we didn't think may not be rising to the level that they are now that we see. And and so that's why it did take us a pretty, pretty long uh, time to, to get these recommendations um, uh, put on paper. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, there's 26 new recommendations uh, in this farm bill that we're we're presenting to to the Hill. Um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the number of of uh, we have I think over 11 working groups um, uh, that um, that we worked with um, and um, that we developed and, and that went through title by title some of the um, you know, some of the efforts that, that are presented in this paper, so in, this, in these recommendations. So, um, you know, we know we got a steep hill to climb, um, but we think, you know, this is probably the best, most reflective of things we need to have 
incorporated and in, in to make continue to thrive as, a, as an industry in agriculture uh, here in the United States. Well, I want to thank you for your time and for agreeing to be my guest and spend some time chatting with me, and I hope that we can talk more in the future. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you once again to Robert Gunther, Chief Public Policy Officer for the International Fresh Produce Association and Secretary with the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. That's this week's AgNet Weekly. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Thanks for tuning in.